Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation for regular people seeking spiritual growth. My name is Chaim Cohn, and I'm the co-producer of the Consciously podcast. In this first episode, our host, Menachem Posnansky, opens a conversation with me and our friend Shmaya Hanekman, who runs our social media and short-form content, as well as our friend and sound engineer, Eitan Kornblum. This first conversation we had is themed around the Hasidic holiday of Yutes Kislev, and particularly its application to our intention with this podcast. So here I give you our host, Menachem Poznansky. Well, what we're talking about uh, today is uh, we're introducing this, this great project that we've, we've been working on for a couple months, and uh, we're really excited to be rolling out uh, some really meaningful material uh, as Chai mentioned earlier, we're working on our first season. We're going to be hopefully be releasing uh, six to seven episode seasons. Uh, they're going to have different themes. And our first season is, is entitled Conscious Contact. And uh, it's some really great material about some perspectives and ideas and actually practical exercises that can people can utilize um, that emerge actually out of the ancient sources uh, of Judaism, but also kind of our experience, my experience with spirituality, um, about developing and generating a, a sense and an experience of a conscious contact with our creator, uh, presently in our lives. But, um, and that we're looking forward, hopefully we'll be start rolling out in about two weeks. And, uh, we're really looking forward to that. But today is, uh, is, is, is the day tonight will be Yudtes Kislev. And uh, Yutes Kislev is a is known specifically within uh, Chabad Hasidic circles, and but more broadly within uh, the entirety of the Hasidic movement, right? Which should not be really confused with um, the culture in and around uh, Hasidus uh, Hasidish culture that exists here in the United States. And in um, and in Israel and all over the world, but more the philosophical system of Hasidut, right? So, so today is kind of across the board acknowledged as a as a very very impactful and important day. Um, so we want to kind of talk about that a little bit and why that's significant, both um, objectively but also subjectively for ourselves. So, so what is Yotes Kislev? So, in order to um, to really introduce that, we have to give a little bit of background information, which is in the mid-1700s, um, a, uh, a figure appeared on the Jewish scene um, by the name of Baal Shem Tov. Uh, and the Baal Shem Tov introduced uh, an entirely new movement that was new, but yet also very old, um, where he accumulated uh, a number of illustrious followers, and their focus was really bringing about and bringing to uh, bringing to market, so to speak, um, the teachings of the inner world of Torah, the teachings of Arizal, and the teachings of um, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, the Zohar, and really bringing a world, the world of inner Torah, which is a world which is reflective both of mystical teachings, but also of teachings that relate to the inner goings of a human's, of a person's brain and mind and their interrelationship with God, to the masses. Um, and Hasidut meant a lot of things, but probably most significantly it meant that. And uh, and at first, uh, Hasidus was a small, Hasidus was a small movement. Uh, it was 
for the most part a fringe movement, but within a very, very short period of time, within within 50 years, it had exploded and kind of taken over large swaths of territory uh, in Eastern and Western Europe. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things that happened after the Baal Shem Tov passed away is that one of his primary students, the Magad of Mizrich, Rav Dov Bear of Mizrich, uh, established a, um, a school uh, of Hasidus and accumulated uh, students. And those students really became most of the primary teachers of this school of Hasidus, leaving uh, aside from uh, some very significant teachers like Rabbi Nachman of Breslov, but for the most part, the, the most significant teachers of this new way of looking at things um, were the students of the Magad of Mizrich, who actually, the, the anniversary of his death is tonight, Yotes Kislev. And um, closer to the end of um, his, his life, the Magid um, attracted a, a student of great renown, um, <clears throat> who later became known as the Balatanya or Shner Zalman of Liadi, who was who was a famous genius. Um, he was famous because of his mastery of all areas of Torah, as well as areas of science and mathematics. He was a, a wonder child, and as a young man, he came to study by uh, the Magid, and the Magid really took him under his wings. And after the Magid passed away, he or before he passed away, the Magid challenged Roshner Zalman of Liadi, the Baal Hatanya, to be the spokesman, so to speak, for this school of Hasidus and to really begin to teach to uh, teach more publicly and to make available more publicly this new and old way of looking at things. Um, and, uh, and the Baal Hatanya did that. And one of the things that occurred over a longer stretch of time was that the Baal Hatanya published his seminal work, which was the Tanya, <clears throat> published his seminal work, which was the Tanya, and and the publishing of the Tanya uh, really created a revolution in Jewish thought. It attracted many people to this new way of thinking. And of course, as goes the case with anyone who's trying to promote good ideas, um, he ended up in jail because of it, right? He was actually uh, reported on and then eventually arrested by the... Uh, by the authorities, the, the czarist authorities, they they were nervous for what he was teaching that it would that it would encourage people to think freely and separately for themselves, and um, and he was jailed and he was in um, in and he was sentenced to death, and and as a result of a number of miracles um, and nearly um, a year of time in prison, um, the uh, the Balhatanya Shnazaman of Liadi was let out of prison. And actually, he was let out of prison on the same day that marked the anniversary of the death of his teacher, um, which was today, Yates Kislev. So Yates Kislev is the comm commemoration of the day in which the Balhatanya was released from prison. Um, so why is that important? And why is that important to us? Right. So that's kind of what we want to talk about today. And I want to give each of my... Uh, partners here, an opportunity to talk about why that's important to them, um, and then I'll kind of give my own reflection. But in terms of subjectively, just to give a little bit of a uh, of an answer, not I mean objectively, just separate from me, um, why that's important is because the Balatanya himself felt was unsure or felt a sense of reservation about this path of revealing um, these sorts of teachings in such a broad way. And he felt that 
his emergence from prison was a sing was a um, a signal by the heavens that this pathway had been um, co-signed and that it was there was now opportunity for people of all backgrounds uh, and all learning levels to be able to engage this really uh, important material and and that's important for for me because. Um, you know, I'm not a guy that sits and studies all day. And the teachings of Hasidus and Panimius Torah have totally influenced my thinking and 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 brought a, a tremendous amount of spiritual um, enrichment to my life. And I, it's hard for me to imagine my life without that, without those things. So this day marks a day of spiritual revolution, really. It marks a day where... where um, the common man is freed from the grips of a life of simplicity, um, not a good simplicity, but rather a simplicity where like, okay, stop thinking about um, some kind of ultimate existential truth, just show up and do what you gotta do and stop talking and stop asking questions to a world where questions are embraced. Not only, not only are they embraced, but actually questions are the most important thing. So, uh, so with that, we'll uh, wrap our way around the horn. So I'm going to invite, if it's okay, I'll invite Chaim to jump in first, and we'll do uh, we'll do a few minutes of of reflection for each of us on what this holiday means to you, what the teachings of Hasidus have done for you, and uh, and what the significance of that is, and and if you want to connect that at all to this project of consciously in terms of your investment in it. And, uh, and it's also an opportunity for us to give our listeners um, some way to get to know us a little bit in terms of personal background, if you want to throw that in a little bit. So, Chaim. I guess my first memory of Yuteskese was in school. I went to Lubavitch School on Ocean Parkway. And Yuteskese was like the, the biggest day of the year outside of like the holidays that we were off from school with because like, you know, the, the big ones. But this is one that we went to school, but we knew the night before you, you got a note Reminder to wear a white shirt. I got my French toast polyester shirt tucked into my bugle boy pants. And um, and then for lunch, instead of the usual, whatever they usually had, it was, we had to have fleshics. It was meat because it was a yumtif, it was a holiday. So we had these boiled hot dogs and these oversized buns. And, um, and then we usually had like a, a rally, you know, someone would speak. And we sang this beautiful niggin that accompanies uh, Yutes Kislev. It's the, the chapter of Tehillim that the Alter Rebbe was in the middle of, of saying when he found out that he was being released, and it's a beautiful niggin. So that aside, getting to what, what, what was asked to be related here, there, I, I, in general, like when it's like, oh, what is the one thing, no matter what the subject is it's always like a little bit weird it's like okay well, this is the main thing and then that is the main thing and no matter you know whatever point you're trying to get across all of a sudden that becomes the main thing and especially with with Hasidus and especially on Kislev, I remember every Febring and I was at that would like no, this is the main thing usually it was whatever was important to the one speaking and that's valid I guess but I was reading this, and the last time I I opened this book, I was fifteen. What book I, is that? So this is uh, it's called Inyane Shel Teres Hachsidus, 
which is a, a discourse that the Lubavitcher Rebbe the seventh one uh, gave, and it became like the the mimer of Yates Kislev because it was like what does mimer mean? Uh, discourse. So it was like the blueprint almost for what the the foundation of Hasidus uh, was and is, because in it it really describes like on a very fundamental level what 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 it's all about, and it starts with something, and I hate being the one to actually read it from the book, but it, it's just actually written really, really well. And if I could just read one chapter, but before I do that, again, the difference between saying, you know, this is the main thing, um, but here it's actually explicitly stated as what is the ultimate theme and purpose of Hasidus. And even within Hayyam or other sources in, in like basic Hasidic, text will often say the main theme is this and you could have 20 different those but when it says the ultimate purpose it's this one and that is in hebrew what's called not just shini hateva which is something you'll often hear which is the transformation of one's nature here it's phrased differently in reference to what is the ultimate purpose of chasidus rather transformation of the character the nature of one's character which is which is quite different my first conception and exposure to Chassidus on any kind of level that was actually understandable to me i was probably 14. and what it was if i could remember and, and in some ways still is it was growing up i came from a rather unidimensional approach to Judaism. There was a laundry list of things you had to do. And then I experienced myself as something separate and apart from that. I experienced emotions. I experienced even thoughts and reality that was good, bad, and ugly. And even when I wasn't aware of it. And then there was like this religious thing that kind of permeated the whole thing, but I didn't know where one began and where it ended. And here for the first time, there was a bridge between all those different worlds so that it wasn't a fragmented, another yet another fragmented thing. It was a part of and something that was a, a thread between all those different parts of myself and in, in some measure, an explanation of all of those. So within that world, and I kind of went really into it and went through my own journey with it, but for the first time I had something that almost gave meaning to all of it in a very positive way. And I think that runs to, to, to the core of what we've been talking about, the state of, of the Jewish people before the Baal Shem Tov revealed himself was one where they were, it was very fragmented. There was the learned people, there were the simple people, there were the people who did all the things, and then there were people who couldn't and didn't. And and people felt fragmented themselves. And all of a sudden, it was this re revelation of what is, what's it all about. And in, in context of that, it's not just that things make more sense, but there is there's a, a, a redemptive quality that, that stems from there that is still meaningful to me today, and not still, but I've almost had a, a renewed uh, experience with that, particularly through my own struggles and journey 
um, in life. And that's what I want to just read this one piece here where it says, the distinctive quality of Hasidus is that one's natural faculties are transformed into godly faculties. As the Alter Rebbe, Shneir Zalman of Liadi, author of the Tanya and Shulchan Aruch, said, the entire idea of Hasidus is to change the nature of one's attributes. This means to change not only one's natural characteristics themselves, but also the very nature of one's character. So one, it isn't that I'm just changing things I do, and it isn't even changing my character traits. It's changing the nature of my character itself. That is something that there's a real possibility for me to, in a real way, change myself. In the simplest way, as Jack Lemmon put it in, in The Apartment, probably my favorite movie, to like actually become a mensch. Not just by changing things I do, but who I am entirely. The teachings of Hasidus created the possibility for every person, including even one who does not possess a lofty soul and who has not purified himself to be able to grasp and comprehend godliness by explaining the ideas of the esoteric part of Torah and making them accessible to the intellect through examples and analogies corresponding to the faculties and characteristics of the soul. As it is written, from my flesh I perceive God. Hasidus enabled everyone to comprehend even this part of Torah. Not only can one grasp it with the intellect found in his godly soul, but also with the intelligence of his intellectual soul. The main thing I wanted to read there is from his flesh, which is David HaMelech and Tehillim, that it wasn't from, again, the mountaintop experience. It was from his real life experience, his body. That's where he found godliness, and that's what is accessible, as Hasidus is telling us, through this, through this study. We can find it not just on the outside, but within ourselves. Shmaya, what about you? What does this day mean to you? So, <clears throat> I have, I guess, maybe the most radical approach, maybe, possibly, maybe not, maybe it's not the most radical approach, simply because, objectively, I'm the least invested in the study of Hasidus, of the people that are in this room, yet my life has been tremendously impacted by Hasidus in a, in a super meaningful way. And... I would say that the most meaningful thing that this day means for me is wrapped up in the culture of Hasidus. And by that, I don't mean the culture of like American Hasidism, like Menachem mentioned earlier on, or like even Israeli Hasidism and like the culture of the schools and the people and the frock and the long payas and, and all that stuff, I, I, the big beards. I don't really mean that, but by the culture, I mean the stories and the songs of the people that practice Hasidus it, from the time of its inception until today, right? Similar to what Chaim was talking about, I lived a life that is very, was very small for many, many years. I felt very trapped in my own personal existence. And through people telling me stories and through people singing songs and through myself singing those same songs, I was able to access something inside of myself that I like to call God, but 
for anyone else who's listening, if you have some type of feeling about God or you don't believe in a God or you believe there is no God, then, you know, it doesn't have to mean that necessarily, but I, I got access to a power that shifted my perspective and changed the way that I lived my life. So I remember where I was the first time I heard a niggin call a song called Shamil's Niggin. I remember where I was and what that did to my essence as a person, which just for context is a Lubavitch song that the first time I heard it, it changed my existence, right? There are specific Hasidic stories that when I hear them, it arouses in me the ability to break free from the shackles of behaviors that I was stuck doing just yesterday or maybe even the same day. And through this process, I've been able to grow and develop as a person. And then, most meaningfully, I've been able to apply that to the rest of the world. Like, I could listen to anyone's story and be able to pull out a meaningful message. Maybe I could listen to any song and pull out a meaningful message. One of the most fundamental teachings of um, Hasidism that influenced me from a young age was like we're here to uplift the physical you know what i mean like it's we're not here to reject the physical and only focus on the spiritual we're here to literally uplift the mundane and raise its spiritual elevation and as i go about my life that is one of my primary focuses in this world how can i take this seemingly mundane thing and utilize it in a spiritual way and that's one of the big focuses of my life trying to figure out how I can uplift the mundane to the spiritual. And so how that reflects in this day of Yudtes Kislev is this was the day that that energy was brought into the world, I believe, in a meaningful way, in a practical way. Up until that point, I know Chaim and Menachem gave some historical context what was in existence beforehand and what was in existence afterwards. So... That's what it means for me, really. Like, how do I use songs and stories to uplift and change my life in a meaningful and practical way? So thanks, Shmaya, uh, for that perspective. Uh, so usually we don't let Eitan talk. Uh, you'll probably find out why in a minute. But, um, but uh, we really wanted to hear from you. Like, what, what, um, what do you think? What, 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 what does this day mean to you? Well, seeing the um, Yamaka spiritual war, uh, spiritual gangsters, right? So this that really reminds me a lot of Yutes Kislev because the Alter Rebbe is and was a spiritual gangster. He was released from prison today, so that like always um, attracted me to Chassidus because like all the Rebbeim, they were in prison, like every single one of them. So and so he did what he thought was true regardless of what the Misnagdim thought, what, you know, the non-Chassidim thought, and what even the Chassidim um, that were not Chabad thought. And he did what he thought needed to be done, regardless of what anybody thought. And today was the day that, like, he kind of got the approval from heaven saying that, you know, you're doing good, you know? So it's like a new, it's a new period in history. And, um... Yeah, we're just trying to fulfill his spiritual gangsterliness and, you know, 
so that we all get released in the same way that he was released. That's it. Wow. Me That's why we don't let him talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we should let him talk more. Right. <laughs> I mean, he was the shortest winded out of all of us. And the most to the point. So um, so what, is, what does Yutis Kislev mean to me? So when I, when I really think about it, you know, something remarkable happened to me. Um, I don't know exactly when it was, eight or ten years ago, eight, somewhere, somewhere around there, between eight and ten years ago. I was meeting with um, a Rebbe of mine, Moshe Weimerger, and, um, and he recommended that I stop um, spending a lot of the time learning the books that I was learning. Um, I had like kind of immer- um, began to explore some of the books of the inner world of Torah, and he recommended that I, I really focus in on Tanya. And um, I tend to take, take things very literally, so I spend about 10 years uh, learning Tanya. Um, the last 10 years, it's been a, a, a very significant influence on me, and I spent a lot of time on the writings of the, uh, the Balatanya. And, and why that's significant is because I was in prison before that. And that's why this holiday is significant to me because I suffered from a, a deep um, illness, uh, an illness of the mind and spirit, which is uh, closed-mindedness, an inability to see outside of my own perspective um, out of fear that if I saw outside of my own perspective, it might um, endanger it, uh, a sense of scarcity, uh, intellectual scarcity, um, that held me back from really... Um, engaging something that was outside the box that my brain could create. And, uh, and, and one of the beautiful things about being freed from that prison, the prison of closed-mindedness, is an ability to engage a spiritual um, reality which is, which is unhinged and which is um, out of the box. It's out of the box of of what I know or what I don't know. It's, it's experiential, it's lived, it's connected to a lot of the things that all of you were saying. Um, but it's not, it's not experiential and lived in the sense of being fluffy or experientially and lived in the way of being like um, not having mooring in, in logic. It's, uh, it's an out-of-the-box that's, um, that's expansive. It's expansive, it's open-minded, it's, it's spiritual. It's what I've come to know to be spiritual. Um, and that's, in some ways, what I think is kind of the undercurrent of what today is about and the, and the revelations of Hasidus. Um, really, in general, I guess, for me, but for, I think, everybody, it's, I, you know, Chaim was making a joke about the fact that how all the Rebbeim of Chabad went to jail. There's a great story, I don't know if you know that story about... Um, the Re- when the Rebbe went to jail in Paris mm-hmm. on Purim, and the um, what uh, that when the Rebbe went to jail, it's a famous story about the uh, Rav Yosha Ber Soloveitchik, um, who was the Rosh Hashiva of, of Yeshiva University, a more of a an intellectual, and he was in Paris in university with with the Lubavitcher Rebbe, and Lubavitcher Rebbe was dancing on top of a car on on Simchas Torah, and they arrested him, and uh, was it Purim? It could have been Purim. And um, and when he got out, so Rav Yashaber said, "Oh, now he knew. Now he later on, I think he said, I knew that now he would be Rebbe because all of his predecessors were um, went to prison.' And the idea of a of a tzaddik being imprisoned and then emerging out of prison 
is, is I think a theme that's really powerful and important for all of us. Cause I think all of us experience the, the pain and suffering of being stuck in a crucible of, of, of spiritual prison, whatever that is, whatever our challenges are, whatever our suffering is. And when we emerge out of that and then can look back at that, and that's really the beauty of the messaging behind New Test Kislev is that oftentimes when we're let out of that prison, when we emerge out of that, um, that, you know, just the muck of whatever we're struggling with, we we can look back at it and say, oh, there was purposefulness to all of that suffering. And that let it being let out of that jail is a signal um, to a new opportunity for expansiveness. And really that was the underpinnings of all of Hasidus because all of the great tzaddikim, all of the great students of the Baal Shem Tov and the Magid, um, they were all spiritual seekers. They were all... Um, uh, intellectuals and academics of, of note, or at least Jewish academics of note, and uh, scholars, and they were seeking something more. They were seeking something more than whatever they were getting um, in their learning, and they and they went out and sought out uh, spiritual masters to try to find something different, something new, something special, something that was their souls were calling them, and they found what they were looking for in Hasidus. You know, and the students of the Baal Shem Tov, they went out and they found uh, a spiritual master who spent most of his time telling stories to simple folk, which is how the Baal Shem Tov was most well-known in his early days, was he would go around and speak in parables, tell stories, engage the common folk. And even though, as they reported, the Baal Shem Tov was a, a great scholar, a scholar of great note in all aspects of Torah, but that wasn't his primary scholarship, wasn't his primary, his modus operandi, wasn't where he was. He was in a place of spiritual action, of, you know, um, you know the, the, the passage that Chaim quoted me, Basari Echzei right? I look, I can see, I see God with my flesh, to see God within the context of a lived experience here. And for those scholars to, to look for that and then to find what they were looking for the whole time that maybe they didn't even know and they found it in the world of Hasidus. And then the, the Alter Rebbe looking to try to find something and then he had the Tanya and then there was prison and then he emerged out of prison. And and that being the signal that it was now time to, uh, a permission to kind of spread these teachings outward. And then even one of the really beautiful things that I was very, very um, enamored by and enheartened with is if you look at the letters that the Alter Rebbe wrote to his Hasidim after he emerged out of prison, it's so beautiful. Here he was, a, a leader of many, many people with tremendous resources. Um, eventually, the, the, the influence of the Alter Rebbe was so significant, this is like historically speaking, that he was listed as one of the enemies of the French state when Napoleon was trying to invade Russia because that was his level of influence. He was that well-known. So, so... So you're talking about a man of tremendous um, influence and his opponents, his, some of his religious opponents um, ratted on him so that the government came after him and they put him in prison. And he easily could have, you know, he easily could have either ignored his opponents or he could have definitely gone in the opposite way. But that wasn't the way of Hasidus. The way of Hasidus was to implore his followers to practice uh, patience and forgiveness and tolerance. 
right? And that's really one of the really, really enheartening things I've found about Yotas Kislev. So, so really this, this idea that I can emerge out of the, this self-made prison that I create uh, in and of myself through these teachings and that, um, that, that some of the things that Chaim talked about that are, that are really meaningful to me, which is that everything that I was looking for was here the whole time if I just change the set of lenses through which I'm looking at. Those kind of teachings are kind of wrapped up um, in, in the, within, within the context of the teachings of Hasidus and this kind of permission to engage God in an experiential manner. It's to engage God in an experiential manner without having to drag God down to a place where he's, where God is, is, is just experience. That God is both conceptual and experiential and yet exists outside of both the experience and the conception, right? That God can be all of those things at the same time, that kind of subtle and nuanced dialectic, that kind of very, very subtle reality, right, is where those teachings take us. And, and, um, and it's, it's, a, it's a real celebration. It's a, it's a celebration, I think, not only for uh, Chabad Hasidim and, not, and, and for all of Hasidim, but really, I think, for the world. And, and not to be outlandish about it, but if you kind of look at what has emerged in that period of time, right, in terms of like the late 1700s until today, right, the last 250, 300 years, in terms of the whole universe, and to, to realize that, that the whole universe has changed and transformed, and, and, and we get to be part of that. We get to be part of that outflow of creation where the world for 5,000 years, or however you frame it, right, human history for 5,000 years saw things in a certain manner, 5,500 years, looked at the world in a certain way, and then for the last 250 years, human humankind has looked at the world through an expansive lens that changes everything. And our world is constantly changing. And the world that I grew up in is radically different than the world my parents grew up in. And the, the world my parents grew up in is radically different than the world my grandparents grew up in. And the same is all the way true back 250 years. Whereas before that 250 years, for many in many, many ways, the world was the same for a long time. And everything has changed. And the world that my children grow up in is an entirely different universe than the world that I grew up in, right? And so, and that signals this kind of sense of human expansiveness, of human spirituality, which is enriching and exciting, and, and it's an opportunity to be a part of that. And I think that um, Hasidus is, in many ways, the Jewish expression, the Jewish scholarly expression of that. And maybe it's the source of it, or maybe it's just the the part of it. It doesn't really matter. For me, it's the source of it. I think everything else is that's flowing out is flowing from that. But it doesn't really matter how you see it. But it's this it's this outflow of an open minded, expansive view of reality where God's essence is impossible for me to even entertain coming close to, and yet I can experience His essence in my life at the same time, right? And that kind of um, beautiful reality is, is, is enriching and empowering and makes me feel loved. So that's kind of what that all means to me. So just before we close off this episode, it's, uh, we want to invite our listeners to, to join us on this journey of consciously. Uh, the material we're going to hope to bring to you is going to be uh, focused in on uh, practical spiritual development, personal development. And, um, and 
we wanted to make clear, I think this is something that was that was important for all of us, that while the content that we're talking about and the perspective that we come from is unabashedly uh, of Jewish origin, Jewish Torah origin, at the same time, uh, we want to make the, those those teachings as available as possible to as many people as possible and also respectful as possible to whatever context you're coming in, particularly in the way in which we feel they can be applicable across the board. So we're going to invite, we want to invite everyone to kind of join us on this journey. Um, as we said, we're going to be releasing a couple of episodes, uh, an episode every week, hopefully, please God. And um, you can look for our next episode, which is going to be an episode that Chaim and I uh, recorded a few weeks ago on um, some themes from Shara Yichud Ve'amuna, which is a, the second um, portion of Tanya. Uh, some spiritual themes and reflections and meditations. And uh, and then we'll jump in with our first season of Conscious Contact, where we're going to really talk about um, how we can, for real, like make spirituality a real thing, like invite God into our lives in a really um, practical and meaningful way that's that's not fluff, but is also not overbearing and overwhelming. All right, so thanks for listening to episode one. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to go ahead and subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts, as well as Stitcher or Spotify. And maybe even if you're feeling like it, please give us a nice review and share it with a friend. Our contact information can be found in the podcast description. And we really do welcome your feedback as we kick off this project. So thanks a lot. And please do stay tuned for next week's episode. See ya.